I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat hair. It's a cool story. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Kidding Season 2, Damask Leary. Broderick Gordis. These are strange times indeed. Aren't How they just... Uh, we recorded like two weeks ago since the last yeah. time we recorded. And apologies to listeners. We would normally have had a podcast up a little bit earlier, at least three or four days ago. Um, due to a lot of things, some of which involve the entire world, some of which are very personal to me, I had to cancel. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some stuff going on there. So this is coming a little bit late. But how are you doing? Oh, unemployed now. The mm. <laughs> old COVID-19 um, took my job. What a bastard. I know. So what, rude. What a bastard. So I've just been sitting at home, enjoying myself. Okay, what? Oh, well, lucky you. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. Uh, yeah, so to it's worth explaining to listeners what you do and what's happened here exactly. Oh, yeah. So I'm an usher in a bunch of live theatre venues and mm-hmm. uh, you can't hang out with more than 100 people inside at a time. So, so Originally it was 500. Yeah. That's since been reduced to 100. 100. But even at 500, that was it. That yeah, was all the theatres are over 1,000. So, yeah, so that was Damascus it. So has no work. That's it. Um, Send me money. Yeah, well, that might be time to start that Patreon. I <laughs> uh, might think about that. What about you? What's going on with you? Um, My initial stress mm. that started that postponed the podcast to begin with was actually much happier stress. I put a deposit down in a house Yay. with my girlfriend, Stephanie. And then a couple of days into that, the world was kind of on fire. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden... Like your situation, wasn't so sure what my employment status was going to be for like the next mm, six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And so went, you know what? Probably shouldn't do this. There was also other issues. The house had asbestos and bad wiring and shit. But we're like, you know what? I think I want that deposit in my bank account, yeah. not somebody else's bank account right now. Good plan. So we took that back. And that was a very, very, very hard decision. Um, mm. I know it seems like small potatoes now, but when you've been looking for a house for six, 12 months and you finally get one, it's like yeah. there's an immediate sense of relief. Cut then followed by what was the most dread and stress I've ever felt in, in such an acute and intense way in my entire life. Mm. I, I don't I eat that. a lot and I was not eating. Um, well, you're looking great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, that's the plus <laughs> side, right? Uh, but now there's a whole new existential terror to worry about. So, that's fun. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I think it's just I was get, coming here today. I went and got some coffee and stuff before coming here. And it's just, mm. it's just odd walking around at the moment. Ghost town. Go, go! It's like people are around, mm. but there is just this general sense of like melancholy and mm. dread. I'm sure we're all feeling it. So this is why I'm looking forward to today because <laughs> we can talk about something else for an hour and a half. Because <laughs> I've been talking about, I think we've all been talking about this nonstop. How could you not be? Yeah. Um. So I'm actually really looking forward to this discussion. And before we do that, actually, I did want to say, um, we've got. Uh, future podcast planned, our regular sort of scheduling in terms of watching and reviewing a television show. Mm-hmm. We do have an idea to do an episode, sort of a special episode talking about maybe streaming rec- recommendations. Mm-hmm. With all this social isolating and distancing going on and potentially being quarantined or locked indoors, a lot of us are going to be relying on TV and movies to get us through. I do every day a- assuming, in normal life. Assuming the internet infrastructure holds up. The NBN is getting a real test pretty soon. Uh in that, in that sort of situation, it'd be good to know mm. what to watch and what's worth your time. So, we might do a special episode. And if you have suggestions for stuff that you think people might enjoy watching in these times, mm. please send them our way. You can tweet us at HuntingSCast or find, uh, email us at, at contact at HuntingSeasonsPodcast.com or you can tweet Damask and I as well. Mm. Um, we'd love that. We'll try and get that out to you guys as soon as we can. But right now, 
let's get to our spoiler-free review of Kidding Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. After a quick trip back to better times, Kidding crashes right back to that impactful final moments of season one. The core cast all returned for season two with some minor changes behind the camera as Michelle Gondry, who directed six episodes in season one, drops down to directing only two and Jack Schreier steps up from two episodes to four. Season two of Kidding consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 29 minutes and took us approximately four hours and 55 minutes to watch. As of recording, there has been no official word on if Kidding will return for a third season. So, Damask, can you remind the listeners what you thought about Kidding Season 1? I really enjoyed it. That's all I remember. (laughs) That's all you remember? You gave it five stars at the time. Oh, good for me. The highest possible rating. I came in going, I don't know. I'm still confused Mm. because I just came in like super unprepared and kind of like half still digesting the show in a lot of ways. Yeah. Talked a lot about how it was throwing lots of ideas out there. It was beautiful, but... Individual episodes didn't always feel like mm-hmm. they were individual episodes. Mm-hmm. It was hard to like sort of break apart its different components. Mm. But the more we talked about it, the more I liked it. Yeah. Um, and now, mm. year and a half to two years later, I like to say that I think I would give that show a 4.5 the first yeah. season. Maybe not quite the five stars that you did. Mm-hmm. But we both liked it a lot and we're looking forward to season two, especially after the ending, mm. um, which was quite an interesting one. Yeah. Would you like to give your spoiler-free review of Kidding Season 2 first? You know what, brother? I will. Okay, cool. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Nothing feels easy this season, but it does feel right. Leaving last season on a cliffhanger was a bold move and one that has a great payoff as Season 2 takes on Jeff's next steps towards peace and forgiveness. Mr. Pickle's childlike, boundaryless nature continues to come up against who he is as a man, father, and ex-husband. And it's that push and pull that brings out a moving performance in Jim Carrey. He is a lovable alien at times, and in others he is so relatable it can leave you shaking. Catherine Keener is also given plenty to do this season. We have a better understanding of who she is and the scars left behind from her experience of the giant that is Mr. Pickle's puppet time. This season continues the balance of whimsy and emotional truth that we saw in season one. But season two not only continues it, I think it actually masters it. Kidding knows what it is and what it is is one of the more enriching, enthusiastic, honest and thoughtful comedies being made today. Very nice. What's your review, Brad? I just want to say as well, it's interesting. Sometimes I think our reviews can be very detailed and go into a lot. It's hard to talk specifics because to talk Mm. like even about specific moments or ideas or characters could be to spoil it. There is so much to... Um, enjoy in the moment that mine's going to be fairly brief as well compared to other reviews we may have done in the past. Mm-hmm. But here I go. Coming back to a show after an extended hiatus, particularly a unique and incomparable show, can be tricky. It may be difficult to get back on board with the individual energy of the program to slip back into its groove. And I think, at first, I was the victim of this phenomena with Kidding Season 2. After the first couple of episodes, I was left wondering if something was off. Was Gondry only directing a couple of episodes a sign of a change in tone? Was the concept only strong enough for one season? I watched and I noted a slightly different energy to season one. Exposition seemed on the nose with themes and ideas stated outright rather than naturally allowed to blossom. Everyone seemed to be shouting and frantic. Every scene made to be as oversized and eye-catching. And all I could think was bigger isn't always better. What was wrong? The answer, it turns out, was me. By the time episode, I always tell you that. I mean, never listen. That's just a truth <laughs> of the universe. By the time episode four rolled around, I'd found King's rhythm and I was suddenly as good as I remembered it to be. It was still wonderfully odd and offbeat from the TV norm, but it had become a comfort and I was able to fully appreciate some of the incredibly constructed episodes. Kidding takes big swings, which it almost always lands, mostly because of how committed the talent of this show seemed to be to the overall vision. Whether it's recreating an entire episode of public broadcast children's TV or weaving a non-linear narrative back and forward through time like a gently winding river, Kidding is brave, bold, and always, always beautiful. Considering how the previous season ended and this one began, I anticipated a particularly dark and possibly upsetting season of television. While there is always darkness mixed in, it never overpowers the light. Kidding is a triumphantly hopeful work of art that works as well as it does because it matches its eye-popping strangeness with equal parts of humanity, and that is something truly special and worth celebrating. Damask, what would you give Kidding Season 2 out of 5 stars? 
Well, if I gave last season five, as you tell me, then I've <laughs> got to give this one five as well. Holy shit. Because I actually enjoyed it more. You enjoyed this season more than you did last season? Yeah, I did. Do you, do you know why? Is there any specific part of this? Do you think it was just more confident, more adapt, adept for you at all in terms of what it was doing? Or There was more to sink my teeth into. I think because so much of season one was kind of familiarizing yourself with the world uh-huh. and its oddities. Sure. Now I kind of knew what to expect. And so, yeah, I was more familiar, so I was able to connect. But also just because the writing and the story this time around gave me more to invest in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't same old, same old. There was real development there, um, particularly with, you know, some of the side characters, sure. which was great. I actually sat, it is something I really like about this season as well, is it does, like, it would be easy to just continue down some of the paths they went. And mm. in, in a lot of ways they do, but I think um, something we often come to with second seasons is it can feel like maybe things are like spinning their wheels, yeah. right? This is confidently moving on to its next idea, Fairly seamlessly for the most part. Mm. But it's like it's got new things to talk about. It feels, while completely um, a continuation of season one, it feels like the same show. It does feel like season two has a different, I don't know, tone or set of ideas as well. It's individual in that sense. Mm -hmm. I really, really like that. Did you have any of the same problems I was talking about with the start of the season? Do you have any problem jumping back in or? No, I really didn't. I thought that first episode. Yes. Um. The first and second episode together was good. Yep. Um, the first simply because I forgot how it ended. Oh, you forgot. <laughs> and the first episode really reminded me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. You know, where are they really going to take this? And then the second episode calmed me because I was like, okay, it is going to be the same type of – it's not going down a dark and gritty yeah, totally. Place where Which it could have gone, I was and I was worried about early that. Early on, my I was very much thinking, "Oh boy, yeah, this I was is." Like, I don't want to watch that. That's not. I mean, not to say it would have been bad, but that's not really what I wanted out of the show. But episode two, while it still does have dark elements, mm. obviously, um, some very heavy themes there, but it does it like I said in my spoiler-free review with such whimsy. Yeah, and so I feel like, oh, I I can watch this. I can handle this. Yeah. I, you'd, be, you'd, for, you'd be forgiven or you should be forgiven if you were worried it was going to get dark based on the direction that season one was going, though. Mm. Like, it was building towards a lot of darkness. Yeah. It, was, it was all about, like, this rising darkness in some characters mm-hmm. and how that was going to sort of form. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's hard not to have that expectation. It's funny, though, what you're saying about season two. I agree with you on the whimsy. At the time, for some reason, I was watching that and going, are you trying too hard all of a sudden? Mm. Is this just like, it just felt like, a lot was happening very quickly and it would lost some of its subtlety or something. There's a song that Jeff sings as he's mm. looking through a window that's like literally explaining a metaphor. Like yeah, I, I was loved like, it. boy, that's on the nose. But going back to it, uh, I was like, I need to go back and rewatch mm. these episodes and see what I feel. Yeah. And watching the first episode again and watching the second episode again, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I was just took my yeah. time finding the show again. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think because within that context, we know him to be so repressed Mm. that him like kind of coming to terms with the basic function of his own emotions like it felt genuine and it felt right that he was kind of remembering or relearning or kind of recognizing himself for the first time what was really going on so yeah absolutely on the nose Mm. but I I liked its brutal honesty and that it's kind of um, childlike honesty, I guess. Definitely. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give this four out of five stars as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this is where the show ends, and we don't know if it will or won't, mm. I'm happy to say this is a four and a half star show at this point, I think. Sounds like you're going to have to give it five stars though. If you can give BoJack five stars without giving a single season five stars, you're going to have to give this one five stars. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning! From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 and 2 of Kidding. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Kidding up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. So, probably a good place to start is to jump in sort of where the last season finished, this season began with... Mm. With a crash and a bang. Crash and a bang, mm-hmm. as I very delicately alluded to oh, in the description. Oh, very subtle. <laughs> Impact. <laughs> mm. uh, Jeff ran his car into Peter. He certainly he did. He was left dying on the road. <laughs> and ultimately, he was only sa- his life was saved because uh, Jeff was able to donate part of his liver to Peter. Yes. Um, how do you find the way this whole thing was resolved? A, in terms of what happened in the moment itself, mm. in terms of uh, initially maybe Deirdre suggesting he hide this from Jill, eventually telling Jill her reaction, mm. Peter's reaction, etc. Yeah, I I do like the fact that while, yes, season one was building to this moment of, you know, this darker side of Jeff... And this idea that it might just explode out of explode him. Explode out of him. He is still him. Mm-hmm. And so, as soon as that happened, he did do the right thing mm-hmm. and go and tell Jill. Is that right? Yes. Yep, Jill. Um, and take him to hospital and do all those things. So, it was like, oh, good. He's not like a Dr. Jekyll <laughs> type situation, sure. which would have really annoyed me, I think, and been less interesting. Um, so, I thought that was good. I. At the very beginning, I was still wary as to like where that could go, particularly if he does then tell Jill the full truth of the fact that it was intentional. Well, um, my worry was that some of the things that Deirdre was saying was like, you know, if if he dies, like her, which was weird advice from her. She does have some weird things in the first couple of episodes that are very dark, I think. Um, she's saying like, if he dies, then, you know, he's out of the way. And like, you can get back with Jill. It's like, what's the word? And then no one will ever know. So why tell Jill if he dies? What's the point? You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, oh, imagine if that happened and Jeff suddenly starts to learn the power of lying and like, what's that going to look like if that's who the he power becomes? power of lying. Kind of mm. though, like he's a, he, he can't lie. That's his whole thing. And then mm. if he decides to start doing that and realizes he can actually get a lot of it out of that, Whew, quick things could unravel quickly, and that's where I thought the season might go. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad it didn't because I found the developing mm. relationship between Jeff and Peter adorable and quite lovely, and something you don't often see. Um, but yes, it, but it also added another layer layer of complication between Jill Definitely. and Jeff because yep. you know she's obviously lived her life in the shadow of him, mm-hmm. and 
this idea of him being entirely wholesome and wonderful and the saviour of, you know, humanity's children, which is a big role. Mm -hmm. And to then, when she's finally escaped that, for that literally to be now a part of her her new relationships narrative. Sure. Which is... Literally Literally, a part. Yes. uh, I I empathise with poor Jill. It, it adds uh, one of the things we talk about or that gets talked about or, or uh, mulled on all season is this idea of Jeff blaming Jill for what happened to Phil, mm. Phil's death. I think it's Phil. Will's the one that's alive, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, that was a car accident as well. And that was completely unintentional. Mm. You know, the traffic light that screwed them over sort of situation. Yeah. But this idea as well that now Jeff has intentionally <laughs> run over a person mm. certainly changes their dynamics in, a, in an interesting way as well. Uh, mm. As much as the blame that Jeff has for Jill is still there, I don't know, it just it just makes things so much more complicated and more interesting and, and less black and white, I think, mm. um, which is a fascinating angle as well. The Peter side of things, I really enjoyed. I think Peter becomes less and less of a character of any influence on the story is this season goes on, though. Yeah, well, he's he's no longer um, an obstacle that Jeff has to kind Mm-mm. of leap over in order to get his life back. He just becomes, you know, a friend, mm. someone for him to talk things through with that he can't, and I guess, um, start to learn or to begin to understand what it might mean to be a sexual being, a, a man mm-hmm. that's more comfortable with himself and relationships and having certain thoughts and all of that kind of stuff, which is pretty adorable to say. Maybe even how illicit drugs can be useful. Great. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But like, you know, yeah. that's that's been his, and it was the line that Peter crossed that mm. led to mm-hmm. uh, Peter's, to, sorry, Jeff snapping, which yeah. I might add, again, the other thing that Deidre did that was awful was suggested that sort of like Peter was almost responsible for getting run over by Jeff. Hmm. There's a conversation she had with Jill and she's saying like, you know, well, if he hadn't done that, he Diddy's should know. Diddy's not okay in the head. Fucking oath. She's really very, very damaged. Oh, very. Um, but yeah, so like uh, Peter certainly represents the grey areas of life yeah. that Jeff has had no interest in and doesn't believe is there. It's black and it's white mm-hmm. and that's what it is. Um, but because through doing the worst thing he's ever done to him, he's forced to see him as a person, particularly mm. when he's sitting there and looking at Peter's family and his mum's real and all of that stuff. Then the person who represents the grey, you know, there's nuance there and he's, he's slowly, yeah, starting to come to terms with that. Which is not, yeah, again, it's not where I thought this season was going. Mm. I, I didn't think it was going to be. I didn't necessarily think we'd see such organic growth out of Jeff this season mm-hmm. like that. And it, I think it was great. I'm so glad we did. Um, me too. Uh, it, in terms of the Peter thing as well, what's interesting that's coming out of that though is the show, you know, it blurs the line between reality and fantasy all the time. Mm. But there is this kind of like, and this is me being nerdy, like mm, pushing my glasses up my nose sort of <laughs> side of this thing. But the, the idea that there's... They're suggesting a real metaphysical connection but that people have once they donate an organ to yeah. them. Like the song that they sing when Jeff is when both Peter and Jeff are under for the operation for mm. the transplant, that Peter doesn't remember afterwards, but we explicitly see him singing on the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a great is a great scene. And mm. while I was I felt a little overwhelmed at the time, that whole musical number is so great between them. And yeah. seeing like Pickle Barrel Falls realized in sort of like really realistic terms. I fucking enjoyed it so much. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was wonderful. And just, and like, while there was a lot of like over the top language, which this show does things as well, Mm. some of the lines in there as well, um, with Ennui, where Mm. he's like, au revoir, cocksucker, excuse my French. (laughs) Goodbye, cocksucker. I was like, that's fucking hilarious. (laughs) I love Ennui. Ennui is one of the best, best, the best puppet in the whole show. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and then they go on to do that as well with, the with Will's organ transplants, the idea mm. that Will or well, oh, Phil's sorry, Phil, thank you. Yeah. Phil's um, when he died, Jill had his organs donated, and that he was still and they and this isn't as metaphysical, but no. they've already suggested this idea that like he lives on through the people that he touched through that mm-hmm. was an interesting concept. Did you do that? I don't know track for you in any way. Did you find it particularly 
compelling the or meaningful. Phil transplant stuff. In general, just mm-hmm. this idea that like once you have a part of a person inside you, it sort of like changes you. You have a part of them living in you and like... Like, they kind of outright state it. Yeah. Peter becomes more Jeff-like after all this. and I I wasn't overthinking that element too much. Mm. I think um, more focusing on what these characters were inferring in those experiences that they were having with other people. I didn't necessarily take it too literally. Sure. Um, But I thought the, the Phil's organs being donated and mm. Jill keeping that a secret mm. was really fucking interesting. Yeah. And the conversation she has with Jeff being like, you know, this wasn't for you. This isn't your gift to these people. This was Phil did this. It's Phil's gift and it belongs to him. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, Judy Greer is fucking amazing. She is. <laughs> Do you think... <laughs> was a beautiful scene. We talked last season that we enjoyed her performance as Jill last season, but maybe didn't think they gave her enough to do. Mm. Did you feel like she got more to do this season? Or Jill was better utilised? Judy Greer was better utilised this season? I, I think we just saw, yeah, a, a little bit more of... Jill, not I think more compared to the amount of time that she had in season one, but just the next, time. but just not in the next level yeah. of Jill, a deeper understanding of Jill. Um, beyond, I mean, she, she's never really beyond her relationship with Jeff. She's still very much defined by it, but you, but you see that the pain she's going to to change that. I mean, this is a, this is a problem that the show has. That yes, her primary relationship is to her immediate family in terms mm. of her boys and in terms of and with Peter to some degree, but especially Jeff. Jeff is our central character, so everybody's related back to mm. him to some degree. Mm-hmm. But Deirdre and Seb seem to have their own stuff going on mm-hmm. a bit more. That's a little bit a little bit removed mm. from Jeff at least. Yeah. Um. Maybe those two, Deirdre and Seb, have a whole thing together. But yeah, Jill can't escape Jeff. But ultimately, the biggest through line for Jeff over all of this is probably Jill. Mm-hmm. Like this entire season, the entire show mm-hmm. is really about their divorce. That's what it comes down to. Mm. Um, I don't know if, I don't know whether that makes it any better that Jill doesn't get to do more beyond that, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, this season particularly feels very much about the heartbreak of divorce. Um, but also the, but like the upside of it too, why it's a yeah, necessary absolutely. Evil. Like yeah, the all of the emotions surrounding it, yeah. and so that story is Jill and Jeff's story, yeah, um, and that's the story they're telling. So it makes sense that that is her arc or that's her journey over the season. So it doesn't really bother yeah. me because we do see how it affects her. Her like particularly in one great episode, the musical episode, you know. Um, it's, yeah. Man. And made me go, if I ever get divorced, I've got to remember to watch this season. Yeah. Particularly that episode, because I think it's fucking stunning. Mm. We will get to talking about that episode a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. Incredible episode of television. Mm. Um, the other part of that, when it comes back to just talking about like Phil having his organs donated to save those other lives, the, the bit of the conversation she has with um, Jeff in particular is just the idea that, and this is proven from what happened last season, if he had known, the if he would have made those people a part of their lives in such an extreme way. Mm-hmm. He would have felt so responsible for those people that, as she said, you would have had Phil's liver showing up <laughs> for you know Thanksgiving dinner and stuff yeah. like that. Fuck, it's hard not to um, feel for her and yeah. how you totally totally empathise with her situation. Like, yeah, that's fucking too much. Mm. It's too much for anyone to deal with. And yes. People like Jeff and Dee Dee and is it Seb? Yes. Yeah. Um, can because they're used to that level of dysfunction and this whirlwind of ridiculousness to hold up this ideal that shouldn't really exist. Mm. Um, but Jill doesn't have to live in that world. She's not from that world. She was very much in love with Jeff, um, but not sustainable. Obviously, the other side of Jeff's story this season is very much his relationship to the show and mm. the idea of being Mr. Pickles. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which starts with him. They're trying to get the show back, but before they do that, they invent Listen to Me Pickles. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the first season they released a doll that the idea was it would listen to what the children were saying because the adults apparently weren't doing it. Mm -hmm. It's a lovely sentiment. Pissed off a lot of people, though, apparently. (laughs) Uh, To the point where they got kicked off the air. Now he's releasing what he sort of referred to as like being anti-social media in a way. Mm. It's like uh, Jeff talks about how social media has all these negative connotations and this was about him directly communicating with his immediate audience and children. Mm -hmm. What do we think about that concept and the way it was executed and the idea around that? When it was first being brought up, I was like, well, that's fucking ridiculous and insane and like a legal nightmare. <laughs> and then I was like, but this is the show. Yes. But yes. so like you just have to like, yeah, just jump into it and be like, okay, this is a thing that Jeff is allowed to do. Um, and yes, there are like ramifications because of that, but not the ones that I necessarily expect or that, you know, they're not going to have real lawyers walking in and being like, well, that's absurd. You can't do that and then follow through on that. Let's that's also not, not think fun. about that it's completely illogically overwhelming oh, well, ha- for any one person to try and do that. It's- for like millions of toys to be constantly chatting to <laughs> makes kids. Makes no sense whatsoever. Doesn't make any sense. Um, but I don't mind that. No. Uh, because as- Mr. Pickle's got big dreams and that's okay. <laughs> did, I mean, it, it, did the show do enough with it, do you think, that idea? I think they did enough because the season wasn't about that. It was, yeah, it was obviously Jeff trying to find a way to both move forward but also kind of go back to basics in terms of connecting with kids and Mm -hmm. being there for them and helping them feel seen and heard. Um, So he's doing that while also trying to get back on his feet again. So I thought it was like a pretty good balance of doing those two things Mm. um and also as a device to kind of up the tension that we eventually kind of get to at the end with that creepy guy with the giant head sure uh the other idea that was introduced last season was there are different versions of mr pickle around the world so there's international like um Mm. what would you call them like not avatars but like yeah other versions of him Mm -hmm. and the once they do the amazing musical episode, uh, that gets repeated in other countries and the Philippines in particular, where oh divorce is illegal. Uh, the Mr. Pickles, Philly Pickles, I believe, uh, as Seb calls him, is thrown off a roof and killed, which causes a lot of tension between him and the rest of the pickle acolytes, you might mm-hmm. say. First of all, did you get this idea of like Mr. Pickles sort of being almost like a religious? or a priest-like figure or a monk-like figure from season one? Because I don't remember that angle so much, but it's no, leaned heavily into it this season. very much is, yeah. And I kind of liked it, though, like mm. in terms of how revered he is, in terms mm-hmm. of the this iconography, in terms of the place in people's lives mm-hmm. they have. Sexless. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All those things that make it similar mm. to like a religious institution and the complexities mm. that come with that, that. I know they kind of spoke about the Japanese one specifically being sure. monk-like, yes. but not the figure of Mr. Piggles exactly being monk-like. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, and so I enjoyed sort of broadening that idea mm. um, and getting to the point where Basically, all these people who devote their life to him that were part of this movement, you might say, this pickle movement, mm. are throwing down their green like <laughs> ties and you know whatever pieces of clothing mm-hmm. that sort of represent their pickledom. Um, that was very cute and an interesting way to expand that. One of the things we talked about last season, though, and your biggest criticism of all mm. was there was a moment between uh, Pickle Sun. Mm. And Deirdre, that mm-hmm. you really did not like. Yes. And that moment was... They, non-consensual sex? Not, uh, non-consensual sex. No way around it. That's what it was. Right. He was saying yeah. no and she was saying yes. Yeah. But she did not listen to him when he said no. I shouldn't say non-consensual sex. I should say rape is the word. It is. It was yeah. rape. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That's the sort There's of no thing. There's no such you, thing as non-consensual sex. It's yeah. rape. And so... Uh, we talked about that last season. I was like, I feel like there might be room for this. We might get a chance to discuss it. Mm. And you were like, there's no way it's ever coming up again. It does come up it again. It does come up again, doesn't it? In episode six. Mm. What I want to know is do you think, how do you think that moment was handled? And was it enough? Was it handled? No, it's a joke. It was the worst. It's a joke. It's like they doubled down on the horrificness of that moment and somehow made it worse. Yeah. I don't understand how. There was the bit where uh, one of the pickles, uh, one of the pickle 
acolytes will say, I think it might be the German one or something like that, mm. was saying something like he had like had a fantasy of being raped. And oh, he's left like, it yeah, I'd that. love to be raped, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this show saying? Yeah, it's terrible. It was really, really odd. Definitely the biggest criticism I had for the whole season yeah. was just like this moment to... It's like it would have been better if it was just left alone mm-hmm. and we can just, you know, plead ignorance to that moment, right? Yeah. But to deliberately bring it up, even to show it in the previously on part mm. and then introduce Pickle-san's brother... And then have that discussion and him be upset and everyone else not give a fuck. Mm-hmm. In fact, make a joke of it. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, what's the joke? Is it like male rape is... Raping men is funny? Is, like, it, is it the idea that anybody who found that to be problematic mm. is just wrong? Like, that you don't understand what was happening in that moment? Like, I'm not sure what was being saying said. that at all. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they're That's saying. That's the problem. I don't know what they're saying. That was... One of Michelle Gondry's two just, directed episodes yeah, too. Yeah, I think they just think that men being raped is funny. That it's a joke. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from it. It's interesting too because Deirdre doesn't really end up playing a big part in that. It should be a conversation with her about what happened. Yeah. Pickle's son. She gets chased around does. the boat a little bit, but it's like farcical. Yeah. Mm. She's just sitting there crying in the corner. Yeah. She's, there's no... There's no real come up. There's no real discussion about it at all. Mm. It's brought up to make fun of and... I don't know. Very, very strange. Bizarre. Um, let's talk about Deirdre, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you thought they had more to dive into with her this season. Mm. You enjoyed it with Deirdre. Fucked. Talk to me about Deirdre. <laughs> Where to begin? Um, so I'm glad that they gave her more to do. Literally in the show, she's now making her a hair, the hair, like in running charge. things. The woman makes puppets. Yes. They give her the fucking business. Has a glue problem, apparently. <laughs> Which I in- very much enjoyed the joke of her hands constantly sticking to things. Bit she's got the award. <laughs> He's like, you can't let go of that. It's like, I tries to shake it off as she walks away from Seb. It was great. I did very much enjoy that. Um, Catherine Keener is great this season. Mm-hmm. I think the tragedy of her finally, you know, Seb gives her this thing and she freaks out. Um and she makes a lot of mistakes, but I think she doesn't do a super bad job. Things go wrong, but Jeff has a big part to play in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the slow tragedy of her losing her one true love, which is her creations, fucking destroyed me. I, I It's been a long time since I felt that amount of anger mm. at a fictional character, which is her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. I fucking, oh, it made me furious. Um, I love the ongoing joke of him just like constantly talking about his own sexuality, but every time you talk to him, it's different. Yeah. He's talking about his boyfriend or he's talking about being an openly gay man or yeah. whatever it is. Every time it's different. Yeah. It's very funny. Um, yeah. So I thought that was heartbreaking. And then to see while she's not close with her daughter, she does, there is a bit of love there, but ultimately she you know, she does what she thinks her dad would want her to do, which is choose Mr. Pickles over family, which she believes that he has done, which is probably accurate considering how fucked up his kids are. Um, so, yeah, just showing, like, there were lots of ups and downs with her. And I was like, good. We, I think we needed that from DD. Yeah. The I agree with you 100% about the point where she loses the puppets. Mm. For me, for a lot, before we got to episode five, that was like, oh, this is a great episode. This mm. is where I really felt invested in the show. I thought it was just a bit more grounded. It mm. wasn't always swinging for the fences and it hit this moment. And I was like, that, it, watching those puppets, the be just like, and Jeff like taking them out their thing, getting ready to use them finally in the show again, let's get back to it and knowing that they won't be able to be there was mm. heartbreaking. Um, ultimately, where they end with her is really, really tragic, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, well, well, maybe it is. I don't know. It's hard to know exactly what we should be feeling for Deidre in that moment. Because Which I find interesting. I, I definitely, mm. the idea that she had these big ambitions where she was younger that were sort of stripped away from her mm-hmm. for a number of different reasons mm. um, and continually were so by Seb when she was wanting to get initially um, Ostronotta on you know, one of those shallow missions, but he wouldn't do it in case it blows up like the Challenger mm. rocket did and those sorts of things. To choose show, by the way, that started an episode. This that is explosion. actually 
there's a couple of things about this season that have ties to Glow, which we'll talk about in... Uh, side notes? Side notes. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that, the, that she's choosing herself and maybe mm. she always wanted to do that but was sort of driven down this other path by circumstance rather than by choice. Yeah, I remember... It's interesting. Yeah, having this thought when they were first talking about custody and, like, the, the copyrights for her creations and I was like... I was surprised that she wouldn't relinquish custody just because she hasn't seemed that connected Mm -hmm. to her kid. Um, And I guess this is the slow realisation that she is perhaps more like her dad. Like she loves the work. She loves Mm -hmm. doing the work. And while she doesn't necessarily want to hurt her daughter, maybe that is best for her. Not as a mother, but, like, you don't have to be a great mum. She wants to do her shit. Do you think that's... How do you think we're meant to feel for her daughter? Sad. Yeah? Yeah. It's hard to know because that kid seems quite self-sufficient. She yeah. makes quinoa think, for her. Yeah. The the comment that's made as she's risotto. driven away... Yes. ...is, you know, is this because of the risotto? So, she's, like... She does see it as like a punishment then. Sure, sure. Um, that she's And she loves her dad, but obviously her mum, she is aware that her mum has given her away. Um, and that's the the time we really see uh, Dee Dee kind of be a little bit heartbroken for her daughter. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think, she yeah, she's willing to give it up for the thing that she really loves, which is her job. I mean, she the daughter does end up with her dad. It's not, mm. and it's, she will see... Deirdre at yeah. times. It's just not going to be every day. Um, she's quite self-sufficient. The One of the things about last season was the whole idea that, I wish I knew, remember the daughter's name, but her fears about the divorce, right? Mm. And then that is, becomes a reality and ultimately she seems quite resilient to it. Mm-hmm. She's like, gets more presents for Christmas. She's mm. got her axe now, yeah. which is an interesting like ongoing joke. I love that, yeah. <laughs> and like, she's like, they... Yeah, well, I mean, that's an interesting discussion, even just the acts in terms of their form of parenting, where they're just giving her these dangerous objects and, like, <laughs> yeah. they trust her enough to do the right thing with it and she doesn't seem to be doing it irresponsibly. Yeah. I, it's like, I, I'm not really sure what... It doesn't seem like an ultimate tragedy here. Mm. It just seems like, yeah, Deirdre's getting what she wants and, yeah. and she had to sacrifice something. In this case, it was her, yeah. her connection to her daughter. Yeah, I think, yeah, both of those parents um, have raised this kid in a pretty unhappy environment sure neither of them want to be there and so are distant to some degree either with each other or with the daughter um so and they've created this little person that just kind of exists in her own world because her parents aren't really there do we think he he's an awful man in terms of Mm. like what he tried what 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 he did by taking the puppets away from Deirdre Mm. do we think he's a bad dad to their daughter is there any evidence that he's a bad dad? No, I don't think he's so. He certainly really wanted her to be there. Mm. I mean, they both did. They Look, were fighting over her. Do I think doing something so terrible to the co-parent of your mm. child makes you a bad parent? Yes, I do. Sure. But in terms of like behavior around the daughter, it seems really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if anything- this I mean, sh- he says terrible things around the kid, but let, I don't know. Yeah, he seems fine. The- if anything, this show is a lot about like that sometimes breaking up or separating is the best thing, mm-hmm. right? That's what's yeah. going to be better for everybody. It's just hard to be sure that it's definitely better for the daughter. I don't, just don't know mm. if it's better, worse or indifferent. It's hard. The show doesn't really give you a perspective on that. Maybe that's what, what we'll see in season three. If we have a season three. If we have a se- season three. Um, yeah. But certainly for Deirdre, it feels like that was the... Right choice. I she seems so. content. Yeah. She seems very happy to see Astronauta, yeah. Astronauta heading up in that rocket. Yeah. Uh, what about Seb? How do you feel about Seb's stuff this season? Well, at first I felt he was kind of wandering around with not a lot to do, which was fine. I didn't mind that. I, you know, I quite enjoy his relationship with his granddaughter and obviously being uh, a silent soundboard, sounding board for... Dee as she spirals and he just kind of sits there and watches it. Yeah, thumbs up, um, which was which was fun. So I, did, I didn't mind that at all. And then obviously we get to the heartbreaking stuff, which is very interesting because at first when he's having that relationship with that person who you believe to be um, 
their mum. Louise, yes. Louise is actually a young man. Mm. I was like, this is really interesting. What's going on? Um, and then you realise, obviously, he's, you know, in the first stages. Is it dementia that he's got? Alzheimer's? Uh, something like that, Something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, which was quite sad. Um, but I found the ending quite beautiful. Of the resolution, I guess, of that story. In terms of him and Louise reconnecting in the list nostalgia, like... Nostalgia land, yeah. Nostalgia land. Yeah. Although I did make me go, fuck, Louise spent her whole life trying to get away from him. Yeah. <laughs> and now they've trapped her in there with him. Um, yeah, it's interesting because the Seb stuff was ultimately tragic and it was... He had some good moments. It, it, they, they, it felt in a lot of ways they were just trying to remove him from the plot though. Mm. Like they wanted to bring Jeff and Deirdre's mm-hmm. involvement in the show to the front. He was to the, to the forefront. He, mm. Seb was always this imposing figure and the next step was to remove him. But now they have... If they do go to a season three, Seb's not coming back in. Like mm. it's just like, oh, he's gone and then we have to say goodbye to him and that's very sad. But I didn't necessarily think we got a lot of resolution on Seb as a person. Maybe we're not meant to, but no. I found him a pretty interesting involving figure and I thought that was a little bit... Maybe there could have been more there, mm. especially because the mother was never a role. It, she was a talked about presence in their childhood. We had flashbacks to when she left and what Seb's reaction was in terms of his parenting with Deirdre and, um, and Jeff and their desire to, to, you know, if she left, she must have gone somewhere wonderful mm. and how that fostered the idea of Pickleball Falls and stuff, but... She's kind of just introduced for two episodes. She doesn't remember any of them, mm. and where, and then they reconnect and then they're yeah. gone. I don't know. It's I think funny. in terms of Seb, kind of losing because what? So uh, as time goes by, and we're not there yet. We're only in season two, but the hope or the the natural desire, I think, is because he hasn't been a great dad, is mm. to see some kind of recognition or change. But I think what is generally honest about men, particularly in that age group, is like change isn't coming. Sure. They are who they are and they, you know, oftentimes believe the things they did were for the right reasons. And so if you then stop him where he's at or even regress him yeah. to those traditional values, that like Dee Dee and Jeff can work through those issues either together or by visiting him or whatever it might be. And the expectation of him changing isn't there because it's not really about him changing. It's about his kids being able to move on and perhaps like lessen the damage that they're going to pass on to their own fucking kids. Mm. Uh, Did you, how do you feel about Louise as a character then? What we got of her? I thought that actress was very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, That's number one. Uh, The most important point, really. Exactly. That's all, that's all that matters. Um, I don't know. I thought it was just a nice little flourish, something, a little aspect that I got to enjoy. At first I was like, you know, she may not necessarily be the mum, but she's representative mm. of the mum, which was fine as well. But then obviously Jeff went there for a reason um, to be with her. I don't know. I, I thought it was... I liked that. It Did didn't you, bother uh, me. Her as a character, though, do you have any well, she's feelings she's not really about- a character. Well, this this is the kind of thing. My own takeaway was that- I thought she was kind funny. Of awful in terms of how she abandoned her children and like- Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of important. Deirdre is, you know, maybe abandoned is not the right word, mm-hmm. but she has chosen her career or this other life yeah. over her daughter. It, yeah, well, that's very yeah, different because Dee Dee, there's no reason for her to be the primary caregiver. Yeah, totally. Except exactly. for like gender yes. expectations. There's absolutely no reason for that. Yeah. Whereas, yes, Louise did absolutely just pick up one day and fuck off forever. Yeah. Which is not great. <laughs> no. Yeah. And that conversation she has with Jeff about doing it. Mm-hmm. I, oh, boy. I found that really hard. I was like, you're an awful person. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I wh- understand the reasoning. But, yeah, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, or at least, like, write to them once again, once in I a know, while. Better reason than just, I want to go to Niagara Falls and hang out with my sister. Probably better. Well, she probably didn't w- ever want to be a mum. It's kind of like probably a similar sure. thing with Dee Dee. It's sure. like, these are the only options I've got. These are the expectations put on me. You get there, you're like, fuck, I didn't want to be a wife and a mother. What am I going to do? Mm. Fuck off. Um, Will is the other storyline mm-hmm. that we need to talk about. It's this season, he gets a book that his is magic, magic traveling. book, trying to do some time traveling, make things go back to the way it was, get mm. his parents back together, maybe get 
spillback, I mm. guess. And we're watching those number sequences come down, which is quite a beautiful little mm. um, idea, visual idea within the show. How do you feel about Will's storyline, his inclusion this season, generally what he was asked to do? I think it was a good little background story mm. in um, episodes. I I like the idea of kind of this time traveling thing because it does feel so what you used to hope and believe in when you're a kid mm. in that kind of magic and coincidence really means something. Um, yeah. And yeah, the world does have like a big chunk of magic in it. That's it's subtle, but if you're looking for it, it's there and like something really special can happen. That, yeah, made a lot of sense. Do I think him and his friends are probably a bit too old to be doing that stuff? Sure, but I'd rather that than like, you know, one of those like little saccharine child actors who's it's a bit sappy. Um, yeah, I thought it was a nice little story to get us to where Jill and Jeff need to be yeah. in order to have that discussion about um, the gift, forgiveness, all of that stuff, yeah. Yeah, in terms of it kind of was a nice little it was a countdown, it was a mm. framing device almost for the whole season by mm. just having these little like yeah, this countdown sort of happening in the background. It was like little vignettes throughout the season. Little vignettes. Yeah. It brought him back into Jill and Jeff's storyline right at the end when we needed it. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately is sort of like the uh, the promise of time travel is fulfilled by the show in a number of different ways in terms of allowing them to finally get the divorce and move on past that and maybe find what their future is after that, mm. but in a place where there's a lot less resentment, there's a lot less anger and all those things and whatever relationship they have now that they're divorced, mm. but also in the beautiful, and I could not get over, over this much money they must have spent on this, Going back and doing the flashbacks of when Jill and Jeff met mm. and the incredible de-aging stuff they were doing. I was like, the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like, that was Marvel-level quality. I, I, like, well, I, they he, gave Judy Greer a fringe. They, they did a little bit more than that. but that was, <laughs> The fringe was doing a lot of heavy lifting. But I couldn't get over watching, like, it, as soon as you did a wide and he was running, it was like, okay, that's old man. That's old man, yeah. um, Jim Carrey. But when it was in close... I was like, I'm watching the fucking mask or something. This is like, it was <laughs> it was so weird. Mm. I, I was very impressed by how that worked. And it right. kind of felt like a magic trick mm-hmm. that we were watching this happen on this TV show. I sort of almost felt like that was like- I don't think I totally bought it because there were moments in Jeff's apartment where the costume, his costume fitting wasn't quite right. Sure, sure, Because you sure. could see Jim Carrey's, like, middle-aged man pot belly. Yeah, and I was totally. Like, well, that's, that's, yeah, but yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Definitely, yeah. As soon as, he, as, soon as he looked, like, past, like, his, his chest. His shoulders, yeah. <laughs> things, things weren't as great. But the work that was happening on his face, I was mm. incredibly impressed and a little bit scared by how effective scared. it was in terms of, like, what we can do now and just, mm. like, digital de-aging and yeah. processing and put, making people look like p- things they aren't anymore. Because the moment, because they do the bit at the wedding and he goes to say... I do, and then we cut back and he finally says I do about, you know, blaming, blaming Jill. Her, yeah. And just that incredible, like, oh, juxtaposition of his age now and then. The That's fucking beautiful, though. Because I forgot where we started because I was sure. so, like, in the moment with these two young people who love each other, but it's complicated and I was just on that ride and then just they say I or just before they, he says I do, to cut back to that, I was like, oh, Fuck. Yeah. Like, it got me good. It really got me good. But then that that episode is brilliant. It's not my favourite episode of the season, mm. but that moment- So good, though. Oh, it is really effective. Mm-hmm. And a couple of episodes earlier, the episode before, where we sort of had these parallel storylines with what Jeff was doing, um, being in the nursing home, and then mm. what Phil was doing and what Seb was doing, and there were these- Deidre was doing. There was all these sort of uh, back and forth happening, but it seemed to just, as I said in my spoiler free review, sort of weave like through time in a nonlinear fa- fashion, but it just flowed so beautifully as to not, uh, it wasn't confusing once you figured out what was happening and it kind of, like the reverse shots and stuff they were using, it was so well done, mm. just so well considered and so well planned. And then similarly in this last episode and doing the, where they freeze everybody and having that moment where Phil finally gets to Jill when she's moved to New York or whatever it is and he chases Jeff. her across. Sorry, Jeff. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff gets to Jill when mm. she's in New York, wherever she is at yeah. that point. And then to recreate that again in the present mm-hmm. with Jill and with Phil and with Jeff, ugh, or with Will and Jeff. 
oh man, just is magical. It's so beautiful and so Mm. well executed. And I don't know what the budget is of this show. Yeah, just that they use that money so well. Yes, they do. They really, really do. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, I literally had one side note that I've already brought up, which is simply I really enjoyed the running glue joke. Yep. Yeah, the running glue joke mm. is, is fantastic. Um, couple oh, of- sorry. Yes. And also that um, in regards to Julie Andrews, when asked what was she like, a hurricane, <laughs> which got me good. The Julie Andrews bit, I'm just officially jealous of Jeff Pickles. <laughs> yeah, you are, right? You're like, oh, fuck. That's, well done, sir. That, that is like an... Completely a dream I can never accomplish. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, nah, that's that's that got me that one. Mm. Uh, lines that I liked from this season. Well, now your brother is going to die when the mother says that to the siblings who drink on Christmas Eve with her dad. Yeah. Just like the idea of finding out, like, oh, well, you're all Mormons or whatever. You can donate, and they're like, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like the guilt trip from the mother on the kids was very funny. Um, and this was one from Seb. It's like Philly Pickle is dead, and they're going to bury him at sea like some pickle Bin Laden. Just <laughs> love the way that was delivered. It was fantastic. Some incredible cameos or returning characters. Tyler Lipinski comes back in a very ominous opening scene. When oh, Jeff, yes. oh, the I've ice got, skater, yeah. mm. when Jeff's in talking to the person in the Meh, bed next door yeah. and she's using like the voice uh, simulator, whatever it is. At first and- I was like, who's this character? Then I remembered <laughs> everything that happened. I was like, oh my God. Oh, that was fantastic. May Whitman had a weird cameo in this as well. That was cool. Can uh, you remind me? Sorry. Um, I can't remember who it was. Someone was going in to buy... A, it might have been Peter was going to buy a ring or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. I was wondering what she was doing. Yeah. She was just there to be... Yeah. She was to there. Be just be Mae cool. Whitman. I was like, that's cool. Good for her. Um, I didn't know this at the time, but Dick Van Dyke was the voice of Hopscotch the Giant. So... Oh, At cool. first, I thought it was the same actor who played Seb because I think last season we found out that Seb was like... Like the puppet of Hopscotch like was sort of like mm. Seb mm-hmm. incarnate or you know represented him. And so Dick Van Dyke doing that voice, I was like, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Especially with the Julie Andrews stuff later. Yeah. Um, and then Ariana Grande yes. was there as Piccola Grande, the pickle fairy of hope. Uh, she posted um, a very cute, when she was filming that, a very cute thank you to Jim Carrey. Oh, really? Because she's obviously a big, we all grew up watching him, didn't we? So she was quite psyched to be on the show. I don't think I said this earlier and I should have. Fucking Jim Carrey is amazing in this show. He's the fucking best. He's incredible. He's so good. I love him so much. Just, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. More than, uh, more than ever, possibly, in some mm. way. I've always loved his comedy stuff, but the mm. he throws himself completely into this. He's an executive producer on the show. You can feel his fingerprints all over it. He obviously really believes and loves the show. Mm. It's just, it's all there on screen. Similarities to Glow. So, mm. you already mentioned the Challenger Rocket and opening yes. an episode with that. That's the uh-huh. second show that we've seen that do that. But also, this is a show that does a full episode, episode that's, that's inside true. the television show they're making. I was mm-hmm. like, fucking glow. They did that as well. <laughs> and it's a good move, that one too. Mm. Um, the Digital de-aging we talked about. Oh, and also the other thing I just want to m- mention that's from last season as well. Those cold opens where you never quite know what how they thematically fit, mm-hmm. where it's like you'll be in some foreign country or, or the best one probably actually is... Um, uh, Philly pickle, Filipino pickle, mm-hmm. where it's him doing the divorce episode yeah. and they come in and throw oh, him over God. the edge. That was so horrific. Yeah. Horrific. But the way they introduced those ideas and then, or the Dalai Lama in the last I one. I love that one. I was like, oh, what is this? What is this going to be? And then, the, of course, the yeah. idea of reincarnation. And, and I love seeing him doing the Charleston yeah. with the Dalai Lama. And then obviously they go have that conversation. Oh. This show's, he does the Charleston with the Dalai Lama. This yeah. show is amazing. Yeah, that was great casting. Of the guy it was, the he looks so well. much like At him. first I was like, is, is that? It? Just checking the Dalai Lama's IMDb <laughs> That's page. That's exactly yeah. what I did. <laughs> did you? That's exactly what I did. That's funny. Uh, I knew it wasn't him because he was he was slightly too, too skinny. Young. Yeah. yeah. Oh, too skinny. Yeah. Uh, least favourite and favourite episodes. What was your least favourite episode, Damask? Uh, my least favourite is actually episode six, Death of Phil. Um. One, obviously, like the rape thing. I was like, oh, God, it makes me uncomfortable. But also, it was just a little too absurd. I 100% um, agree. And so, like, it seemed less funny to me because yep. it was too wacky. I was like, eh, it doesn't work. Yeah. Could not agree more. It's mm. exactly my things. There was this stuff with Pickle Sam, which I found mm. pro- really problematic yeah. and just can't believe they did that. 
And then, yeah, there, there was something about that energy on the boat. It's very farcical. Mm. It was trying to be really funny, but I wasn't attached to anything that was happening in that scene, in that, that whole episode. I know, it was just kind of was a bridge too far. Maybe mm. literally being on that boat and being removed from the rest of the story, just yeah. it stood out as being a weird episode. Because yeah. I think like the concept itself of, you know, burying this other pickles pickle in a light pic- or whatever. pickle light in a, a barrel um, and all of the versions of Mr. Pickles being there is funny enough. Yes. And then to turn them into cartoon characters yeah, is yeah. too much. I was like, well, if you showed that they were like real people, the situation is funny enough that you can kind of ha- still have a little bit of heart in there that yep. makes the comedy, it elevates the comedy a little bit maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it just didn't speak to me. It doesn't help also that episode is surrounded by incredible episodes. <laughs> yes. Episode four, episode five, episode seven, eight, nine. Yeah. It's like, whew. Beautiful. Geez, they all work. Mm. Favorite episodes. Well. As you were saying, episode five, three, one, zero, one. Holy shit. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, it, uh, one, it demonstrates that balance of whimsy and truth that I really enjoy in this show. It was heartbreaking and I truly mean heartbreaking. The end of the show. I also thought it was a beautiful show that for children. Yeah. It's like the um, show should just exist. Yeah, it absolutely like, should just exist. I'm like, this is incredible. Um, this, I really enjoyed the music. Yep. I just enjoy being able to sit and watch the show. Yeah. Which is like the same thing that we loved about Glow. It's yep. just nice to be able to, oh, no wonder people are so attached to this. No wonder it's such a big thing. Jim Carrey is just so fucking charming and lovable in it and vulnerable. Oh, my God. Like, you just want to give him a little kiss on the forehead because he's going through so much. Same with Judy Greer. Like, they both, like, just fucking knock it out of the park. It's just an awesome fucking episode. I loved it. Yeah. I concur completely. Yeah. Uh, episode five, <laughs> which is called episode 3101, mm-hmm. uh, is incredible half hour of television. Mm. It's like a micro distillation of the show or at least the season as a whole mm, in terms of yeah. what the show is trying to say and trying to do. Um, it is great to see a full episode of the show just like Glow did. It should ex- exist. The fucking ending is heartbreaking. And also, like, it's the hope that's in there as well. It's the idea that this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. That this... Mm. Uh, I, and the music is fantastic and Michelle Gondry's, like, signature, like, stop motion, like... Um, music video work that's in there and it's just it's just fact it's it's amazing it's fantastic it's so 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 good Mm -hmm. and like a lot of this show feels like a magic trick that can be this good Mm -hmm. but just shows how everybody on every level whether it's the talent on the screen or the puppeteers or the people making the puppets or the sets or everything everyone seems to be doing amazing work and totally bought into this idea Mm -hmm. because if they did that's the thing I, i always think about with this show if not everyone's on board with this, it would fall apart so quickly. Mm. It's got, it's so whimsical and twee and all those things that I can find really grating at times that unless it comes with earnesty and honesty, it just falls into a mess. Mm. And the fact that this show doesn't is incredible, I think. Yeah. It's I so mean, good. I remember when we did our season one review and I posted it on Instagram, mm. or like a little bit. I think it was just a picture and just saying how much we enjoyed it. Uh, and one of the puppeteers commented, like, right. oh, you know, I, oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you liked the show. Which just goes to show you that, like, there's so much, like, just genuine investment yeah. into this project from them. Yeah. I thought it was, re- it was really sweet. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Uh, do we have any predictions, hopes, or concerns for season three? Oh, I don't have any concerns other than, like, that may not exist. Are we going to... I just... First of all, mm-hmm. it hasn't been announced. We don't know if there's going to be. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the idea of a season three? And if you, if there was going to be season three, what would you do with it? Yeah. Um, I'd be happy with season three. I thought, mm-hmm. like, fuck, they nailed season two. Sure. So, I, I really have no concerns there. What would I want them to do? I don't know because I know anything I say, I think they could do something so much more interesting than what my brain can do. Are there particular through lines or ideas or threads that are left dangling? We need to really, now that kind of the, we've we've somewhat dealt with Phil's death, Mm -hmm. Um, we've somewhat now kind of got to the next stage where Jeff can leave behind the marriage. 
I think it's probably now the time to start really looking back and dealing with the way that Jeff and Dee Dee were raised and how that defines who they've become now. Um, what that looks like, I don't fucking know. Is there anything particularly about the show? The show of... Papa Time? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. What they, are you thinking? I, I, I actually don't think we need a season three. It's, it's straight up where I'm I don't I'm think at. we need one, it but kind, I'd, I'd take one. I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't say no, and I've got mm. a lot of trust in the creators that they, if they've got ideas and they know where mm. they want to go with it, I just couldn't get over how complete I felt at the end of it. Mm. It's like if the show has been about this sort of divorce, yeah. we did a that. breakdown of yeah, we, what we, that family unit was, mm. and to come out the other side of it, mm-hmm. I think we got as much resolution as you could get. I would hate to try and add another level. And I don't think that's necessarily what you would do, Mm. but it just felt so complete. I felt Mm -hmm. Seb's story seemed complete. Mm -hmm. Even Deirdre's story to some level seemed complete. Yeah. It's hard to imagine what another season would look like. Mm. Um, That is sort of where I'm at with it. So if there's not a season three, I'm not going to be unhappy. I think I'll just be like, well done. And I can be just recommending it. Forever, to yeah. people being like, it's perfect. Go watch it. Yeah, it's. Mm. I, I just, I just don't know where you would go with it. I guess the only argument I could make is there was going to be one more season. If there was going to mm. be a season, there would be one more season, mm-hmm. and then that would make episode 30, 3101 mm-hmm. your dead set midpoint. Yeah, which seems like an amazing like axis to have this story around. Mm-hmm. Like if that is your your. The midpoint that is, yeah, that just is like the tent pole that everything is built around. Yeah, I like that, that would certainly make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think for a second it needs a third season. No, I'll take it if it comes. Yeah, they <laughs> won't got, say no. They got a story to tell. I trust these yeah. creators in a big way. But yeah, just I'm content. I, I yeah, feel I remember full, like finishing. Complete. Yeah, totally that the season and being like. Yeah, that was really good. It's what I wanted. I didn't yeah. know I wanted exactly that, but it's what I wanted and fuck, that felt good. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was a, a rare feeling. It, yeah, It was definitely very strange going from my frustrations early on with the season, which again, I mm. totally think was my fault, to being so satisfied at the end. I go, wow, I, just the turnaround on mm-hmm. that for me was incredible. Yeah. All right. I think that's what I've got to say about it, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much, listener, for checking out this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. And I implore you to do it. We have over 120 reviews of Seasons of TV at this point. We don't have a life. We don't. Well, if you're looking for something to watch and mm. maybe you're curious about a few things, go check it out the website, look through our archives, look at our uh, our listings on Apple um podcasts and those sorts of things on Spotify even. If there's something there that you think, oh, I'd like to know what you think or I love that show, I'd love to talk about that or listen to people talk about that, check those out. Mm -hmm. We'd love to fill up some time for you. Um, Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Now, theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hile of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S, Damask. You can find me at Maskymoo, M A S K Y M O. Next episode is either going to be our recommendations episode mm-hmm. or an ep- uh, a review episode of Mrs. Fletcher season one. Mm-hmm. I have, must admit, I have not started watching that yet. Me either. Oh, good. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure where our release schedule is going to be for the next little bit. We'll try and keep it weekly or maybe even a little more regularly if we can do either discussion mm. episode or like some off-topic hot topic type yeah. stuff. We might have to be doing it over Skype depending on how this situation unfolds. We're going to try our best to keep things going. If you, again, if you have suggestions for stuff you think listeners might love to listen to, Mm. I'd love to get your suggestions. Share the love, everyone. And also your reasoning for why you think it's a great show. I'd love to hear our listeners' thoughts on these shows Mm. and what they love about them so much. Um, Also include, if you can, where you can find it online. So one of the ways I would like to make our episode work is like go okay if you have this streaming service say netflix this is what we'd recommend watching if you have you know blah 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 in the meantime thank you again for listening we will see you next time bye for now bye and so completely